Coming to you in hypersonic ultra-maximum high definition from the depths of the interwebs and straight into your ear holes, it's the Cinema Geekly Podcast. Featuring all of the people's names I wasn't paid enough to say in this intro. For the Cinema Geekly Podcast, episode 142. This is normally where I would direct you to go to cinemageekly.com slash premium, but don't bother because it probably looks exactly like how it looked the last time you visited, unless you haven't been there in at least a month and a half or so. Otherwise, it looks exactly the same. Uh, I, I guess we're back. Is this a... An unofficial, unplanned hiatus is what it was. Yeah, it was like, it was pretty much a perfect storm. So, like, your computer crashes. My heart I go out, died. Yeah, I go out of the country. I come back. That's what happens. Mm-hmm. And then immediately upon me getting back, so we can't oh really God. contact you, Ben goes out of the country. And so it just takes forever for us to get, and he was gone forever. Yeah, Ben went to Canada. Yeah, and so he was gone for us to be able to get the the server updates. And by the time he sent it to us, you're like, well, my computer is going to be up and running on Tuesday. And I was like, well, I'm not going to jump the gun on it. <laughs> I, uh, I, I did I did one thing. I made one contribution while you were gone. That is true. Glenn did, Glenn did put up a... And Jillian, more, and, more importantly. Glenn and Jillian put up a blog slash review of uh god what was it the swiss army swiss man? army man yeah it's the best thing i've seen all year and i don't think anything's yeah it's good it's, in a weird way it's out there but it's really fucking funny um okay so let's touch on let's touch on everything that's happened since we last recorded actually since i don't like even june 30th yeah since sometime in june uh we're not gonna do that uh we're gonna hit some of the bullet points uh, and talk a little bit about Comic-Con, and then talk a bit about uh, some of the more recent happenings. And then we'll kind of go from there, including the upping of uh, of Glenn's uh, Flip for Side B, in which he talked about E3, which happened, it feels like now, six years That's ago. so long ago, yeah. But it's got to go up, because he made it, and God damn it, it's going to go up on the premium site. <laughs> and uh, uh I think it was Jacqueline actually contacted me the other day. I, I I don't think she must have missed the whole conversation about how I did not have a hard drive. And she's like, hey, I, I kind of noticed that the, the new episodes aren't going up. Are you getting them? Is there a problem? What's going on? And I had to explain to her that no big, big mishmash and a problem with the computer. And But it'll be fixed really quick. And we'll start putting uh, the following has been approved episodes are going to start going up as... Uh, well, I don't know if I'm going to go back and back catalog all the ones I missed, but probably starting with their next release, I'll start putting them back up. So things are going to slowly start moving again on the Cinema Geekly train. And thank you to the probably six people who are listening to this right now. I think everyone <laughs> else has dropped off the face of the earth. Ah, uh, no, they'll be glad to have us back. Uh, maybe, maybe, perhaps. Um, maybe I'll put some money on 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 some advertising. Yeah, we 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 may have to at this point. Uh, so let's start talking about, uh, Comic-Con last year, Glenn, you'll note that not much happened at the San Diego International Comic-Con. And I believe we condensed 
all of Comic-Con into one podcast, unlike the previous year, <laughs> in which I think we needed three podcasts to cover each day, I feel like that would have happened this year. Uh, had things not died right when Comic-Con happened, because so much stuff happened. And not only were there a bunch of big announcements, but unlike, I feel like, unlike in previous years, I feel like this was like an unprecedented year for them saying like, you know, oh my God, can you believe the shit they showed in Hall H? And then a minute later, it's like, it's on the internet. Let's speed around this. Yeah. Let's Uh, speed around this, like, one-worded answers. Like, King Kong trailer, what'd you think? uh, I was impressed. Uh, I actually thought... Meh. All right, next really? thing. Really? I was impressed. I thought it. I, I thought. It, I thought it looked okay. Uh, that's what meh. Okay. <laughs> hit me. Hit me with another one. We got too much to talk. Yeah, we got too much to talk about. So that's what hit me with another. I don't one. want to just. Uh, uh, fuck, oh my god! It it was so soon, but so long ago. Yeah. Um, uh, Doctor Strange. Uh, I liked what I saw. Um, it was. It didn't feel like... I'm not going to be able to do this in one word. Uh, it was... It didn't feel all that much different than the teaser trailer they gave us, but it showed us a bit more. Uh, it certainly looks really cool, and I'm excited to see it, but the trailer did not blow me out of the water. I I know it's really... It's not a popular opinion. Mm. I thought the buildings collapsing upon themselves yeah. looked really bad. Yeah? I, I don't know, like... I mean, it's been a while since I've seen Inception. Yeah, I didn't... But it just... It looked... I don't know. I just... In my mind, I'm thinking it looked better. And they kind of do the same thing with, like, the glass and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. But I think it's more aesthetics for me and the fact that when I see so much CGI, like Warcraft and that kind of thing, it's just... It's just off-putting to me. Yeah. Okay, hit me with another. Um... Well, I could say Suicide Squad trailer, but I've seen the movie. Yeah, well, I mean, and the Suicide <laughs> Squad trailer was really nothing that you no, didn't no. see in the other two or three that were released. So. No, no. I, I don't. I can't think of all the trailers that they had off the top of my head. Uh, Wonder Woman. So uh, awesome. Yep, agreed. I am. I am all the way in on this fucking Wonder Woman movie. It looks. I mean, now here's the thing. It looks great. I am. I, I know a lot of people are like, holy, did you see all this shit DC showed us? DC won Comic-Con. I still think Marvel won Comic-Con, even though we didn't personally get to see as much of the stuff. The sheer amount of stuff that they released and their track record wins it for me. Wonder Woman looks great, but I am going into that movie cautiously optimistic because there were bits and pieces of Man of Steel in the trailers that I'm like, this looks awesome. Or there are bits and pieces of Batman v Superman. I'm like, this looks awesome. Yeah, but there's one important distinction with that. Well, Patty, uh, Patty Jenkins is an important distinction. Uh, yes, and it's different writers for it as well. Yes. You're not in the David Goyer black hole. Right. I mean, you know what I found out? You know what? But you know why Suicide Squad was a bad movie? Hmm. Brett Ratner was a producer for it. <laughs> well, we'll get to Suicide. Squad. I say that, and Revenant was really good. So I don't. I don't quite understand the Brett Ratner situation. We'll get to that. But I mean, Wonder Woman, to me, I can't... To me, I think the shot of the movie I dig the most is like the hero shot of her with all the machine gun fire and shit and her blocking it with the shield. Uh, All that stuff looks awesome. It looks like uh, Chris Pine's going to be good in it. It looks uh, like the setting is going to work because I think people were like, Wonder Woman in World War I? What the fuck? But when you see it, it's like, holy cow, this seems like it really works. You know, you know what's cool about it is, 
watching the trailer and you know on the surface i could see a lot of you know mouth breathing and you know yeah uh youtube commenters being like oh it looks like first avengers uh-huh and you know when i talk about the the sad thing about batman vs superman is it should have allowed us to have a conversation of uh looking at look at how they approach these things differently and yeah. how they're both good in in different ways and we, and we couldn't because uh, as we're finding out with Warner Brothers, they sure love their fucking focus groups. Yeah. And their focus groups are wrong. And uh, with with Wonder Woman, I mean, at the very least, it, hopefully it's good. So that if we ha- if someone wants to compare the, you know, Captain America First Avenger, at least we'd be like, oh, well, you know, it's World War One, World War Two, whatever. You know, you're still looking at t- the traditional generation. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, those are fun conversations I've been wanting for us to have, but we can't because... Um. Yeah, they just haven't they haven't gotten it right with the editor. <laughs> haven't nailed it. Uh, just <laughs> Justice League. They showed the. They're not calling it a trailer, but let's be honest, it's like a fucking teaser trailer for Justice yeah, it's, League. It's, yeah, it's a super teaser. Trailer. Uh, what I, what did you think? I think it definitely gave me a better feeling after having seen Batman v Superman. At least this footage gave me a better feeling, but I also feel like maybe they took some of the criticism and then uh, they appropriate is too dark it's not fun enough feeling and then they're like okay so let's take that we're gonna lighten it we're gonna make it person who's gonna be the conduit for all of the fun is batman like they put him in this he's in the scene with like wonder woman where they're bantering about like you know is it is it yes yes or is it yes maybe is it yes no and they're like he said no and it's ah ha 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 and, like it's bruce wayne going around Saying like we need your help. There's a bad guy coming, and I we're forming a team. Like that doesn't seem like Batman to me. I guess yeah. no. You know what? It, it felt like it felt like the Justice League animated series Batman, mm-hmm. where he's the one who kind of like has the snarky comments and yeah, the, yeah. you know he's the, lighter. Yeah, like yeah, what he's like. What do you give the man who has everything? Is like what cash? <laughs> it's like what he gives Superman for his birthday. I mean, like it's just, I mean, I guess I'm not that, that kind of. They're kind of, you know, in a way, it's like it's like the animated series, and it's kind of like Adam West. Like it's a little goofy. Yeah, it's not my favorite type of Bruce yeah. Wayne. Yeah, and, and I'd be um, okay with it if it wasn't coming off of the heels of you know super dark and murdery Batman from BVS. It just seems like yeah, a different was, character all of a sudden. It's, yeah, it was like they were making Bruce Wayne at the dinner party, and people were like, "Well, I like that scene yeah. with, with when him. he's drunk." And it's like when he's talking yeah, to that like, girl. Yeah, it's like, well, that's not why people like that yeah. scene. Is he does detective work, yeah. and that hasn't happened yet. Like, yeah, it's it. Bruce Wayne can be light and fun, and it's that's the that's the cool thing is you get to see him masquerading, and then I'll, you know, right away, just you know, it just washes off his so face. How'd you feel about the trailer? I thought it was all right. I mean, I'm not uh, look. It still has Zack Snyder, and, and you know, I've seen. I well, I didn't see. I bought the Ultimate Edition, mm-hmm. and. Um, it clears up a lot of things. I mean, not a lot. Uh, the one thing I'll say it does a better job of is setting up... It does a better job of setting up Lex Luthor, even if they're just little moments. Yeah. And I think Batman's motivations are completely open. Yeah. Uh, and I really didn't have a problem. With, I mean, his motivations, I thought, were the most solid. I mean, there's a few instances, but... At this point, it's like coming through. I mean, you can go through any movie, and I mean, like I, I'm free. I feel like I did a good job of bringing that representation to a certain part with Civil War. It's just Marvel it gets a lot of benefit of the doubt. 
Um, but with, yeah, it was just Superman. It doesn't make any sense. Like I still am dumbfounded by the scene where he crashes the Batmobile. Like yeah. he's chasing terrorists, and you're mad that he's gonna kill these terrorists that you just killed. Mm-hmm. Like it's just really odd placement of stuff, <laughs> and uh, you know, I mean, we'll talk. I mean, that's definitely what we can talk about with Suicide sure. Squad. Um, uh, but, as uh, yeah. as fans of Grant Gustin and the Flash television show, what did, what did we think of Ezra Miller? Uh, I think he's going to be okay. I mean, I've seen him in other stuff. I think he'll have the kind of. I don't think he'll nearly be as charming as Grant Gustin. Yeah. I, he will personally, I just like, like him char- more. And I think yeah, charming lot- in like a lovable way. Yeah, and in the thing, same way, like for him too, with Grant Gustin, like he also has a really good cast around mm-hmm. him, which is still so strange yes. to think of on CW. Yes. Uh, and not like, I mean, like Ben Affleck's solid. I mean, I think we all have agreed that Gal Gadot was really good in Bat vs. Superman. So it's not that, you know, he won't have those people around him. But it's different because we've also had two years to build these relationships up with, with uh, Grant Gustin. But I, I think he'll be fine. I don't, I don't really have a problem with that. I'm glad he got a haircut, and he does look a little bit bulkier, you know, not not quite skinny like Grant Gustin mm-hmm. is. He he looks a little bit more lean, like a soccer yeah. player, which makes sense. Uh, so yeah, I think he'll be fine. I think Jason Momoa as Aquaman is going to be awesome, just because. This is a scary looking dude. Yeah, he looks like a, a, a tough badass whiskey drinking. <laughs> yeah, well, which is which is what Aquaman's a tough motherfucker. Like that's the uh, this and this may be blasphemous. I don't know. I don't think it is for me. Out of all the things that came out of Comic Con, uh, there was one thing that really excited me the most, uh, and that was CBS announcing some details about the the new Star Trek show, including like the title and. They even showed like a CG, like a really bad CG, like a uh, teaser, because the work on the show is obviously just getting started. The fact that they even had that available. Uh, have they even announced a cast? No, they anything? have not announced a cast. They've announced the first director for the episode, and that's about it. They haven't announced a cast or anything yet. Um, hmm. I would presume that would be coming soon, but. Well, when's it get released on uh, Netflix? It's, uh, well, it's not. For Ben, Ben will get to watch it on Netflix in the UK. What the? F- for, the U- for the United States, we get the first episode premiering on CBS, and then after that, they want you to purchase CBS All Access, which is their Netflix, and watch it on there week by week, which, of course, I won't be doing because it's just not in my budget <laughs> to do that. My hard drive crashed, and it took me a month and a half to get a new one, everybody, so... Uh, budget's not there to pay for CBS All Access, so I will be watching the show via other means. But I was super excited for that, But uh, and that was very cool. The show's called Star Trek Discovery, and I'm excited to see what they end up doing. And obviously Brian Fuller is a showrunner there, and I know that makes uh, you excited, Glenn. So the real thing that really caught my eye coming out of Comic-Con that I loved the most, I think, was the first full official trailer for the Lego Batman movie which <laughs> yeah, yes, so great. Yeah. I love that Robin in this iteration is a kid that Batman accidentally adopts and forgot that he adopted, presumably <laughs> part while partying is Bruce Wayne or something. Uh, well, you, uh, <laughs> you live in Bruce Wayne's basement. No, he lives in Batman's I, attic. Like it's just good. like, they're so hokey, but man, those jokes. They it's just, so, I, they're so on the nose. I love that when he's Batman, he can't be Bruce Wayne. Like, he can't be like, you know, oh, my God, you live in 
Batman yeah, lives in Bruce yeah. Wayne's basement, yeah. and he's like, no, he lives in my attic. Like, it's so weird. It's really great satire. Oh, no, it's awesome. It's, it's, yeah, it's it's really good. It looked it looked great, and he's like, he gets in the Batmobile, and the kid's like, shouldn't we wear a seatbelt? And he's like, first lesson, life doesn't give you seatbelts. <laughs> yeah. And then he's like, okay, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm gonna install, I'll install some seatbelts when we get back to the yeah, Bat when he game. almost crashed. But for now, seatbelt. I'm just gonna put my arm over you like this. And we'll go really <laughs> slow, and the Batmobile slowly. sort of just slowly starts elevating, flying <laughs> off. Oh, it's so that's such an awesome, it's such. I mean, the Lego movie was also awesome. Yeah, so, yeah. you saw it, right? The Lego movie, yeah, it was it was fantastic. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, it was incredible. Those those are the same guys that are doing the uh, the Han Solo movie. So, yeah, Chris. Oh my gosh, they're Chris Miller and Phil, Phil Lord. Like Phil Lord, yeah. They are. They are. They're so very good. good. Uh, I mean, I don't want there to be a Han Solo movie, but I am hundred percent okay with them being it. And I know you didn't really talk about it. But I saw Hail Caesar, mm-hmm. and the guy who plays the the cowboy, he plays an idiot in the movie, in Hail Caesar. And, I'm not saying that you may, like, if you watch it, it's it's the Coen brothers. Yeah. Sometimes it is a very unique taste for you to appreciate their movie. I mean, I hated Burn After Reading, mm-hmm. and now I've probably seen it six or seven times, and it just gets funnier and funnier than me. <laughs> The fact that there's just no plot is the best thing ever. The um, uh, oh, go ahead. But yeah, he's he's in it in almost every scene. He's either with George Clooney or Josh Brolin, and he steals almost every scene he is oh, in. And that's not e- that's not an easy feat. Yeah, he's really Bad good in it. I mean, he's really good at just playing like a naive pretty dumb boy like what we think of Channing Tatum like that guy just <laughs> nails it. it to a T it is so I'm really excited because usually like for you to play someone really dumb like that you've got to be kind of smart and so it's just uh I'm, I'm excited for him I really liked him in it he's he's got some charisma I'm I'm, I'm actually really excited about his casting as Han Solo. Uh, before we talk about the squad uh, let's talk. We don't have to talk. About I mean, it. we should. I, I I haven't seen <laughs> it, but there's some things about it that I do want to talk about. Um, and uh, before we talk about that, let I I want to bring this up. I uh, have you? Did you watch and finish Stranger Things on Netflix? Because yes. I want to know how you feel about this show. I did something with this show. I'm going to jump out on a limb here. I'm hoping. Okay, let me get this before I jump into my. Jump into my feelings. Did you hate or like the show? Uh, I don't think you gave the option that I that I wanted. Which was what? I would say I adore oh, okay. this. Okay, good. Because uh, I did something with this show I have rarely ever done. And it's only because this show was eight episodes that I was able to do this. I watched the whole season in a day. I had one day to myself <laughs> where my youngest was off with my parents Jen was at work, and my oldest was spending the night with a friend, and I was literally at home with nothing to do, and uh, I had seen the trailer for this, and I was excited for it, and I forgot that it was coming out, and I noticed that it was launch day for the show when I hopped onto Netflix, and I'm like, fuck yeah, I'm giving this a whirl, and I was two episodes in, and then the next thing I know was four episodes in, and I'm like, you know what, maybe it's time for a break, Uh, I'll cut it out, but... I sat and thought about it for a minute. It's like, well, what else are you going to do? There's nobody else here, and there's nothing else to do. Maybe I could play a game or something. Uh, and I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. Let's just keep watching and see where it goes. And 
before I knew it, I had watched every episode of the show. And then I told Jen about it. And then we watched it again. I watched it again over the, over the course of a, like a week with her. Uh, so I've seen the show twice and I don't know. Okay. Aaron, I don't know who, yeah, this never happens with me, uh, ever. Uh, but I, part of it is because the show is very easily consumable at eight episodes. Yeah, it's kind of like Firefly. It's just really short. Yeah, it's easily. I mean, I always I skip two episodes, but which makes it about ten. Yeah. So, yeah. so uh, it's it's yeah, it's easily consumable. But uh, yeah, I I did not know who the Duffer Brothers were before this show, but I am willing to give them all of the monies after this show yeah. because it was incredible. I love. They're like the uh, next Duplass brothers. There was so, I mean, or the Daniels. I mean, and, and this is something I feel like maybe is overlooked somewhat because yes, there's like a ton of '80s nostalgia in this, and as much as J.J. Abrams captured some of that Spielbergian feel in uh, Super Eight, it's still. Uh, I thought he. I thought he captured some of it. Um, as much as he did, it still felt like. A modern film made in period time. It felt like an imitation. It looked, I mean, it just it looked like a modern film that was set in that time. Whereas this show, to me, it felt like the look of it, everything, the way it was filmed, the way the film looked, the way the picture looked, everything felt like it was actually made in the 80s to me. And I don't know. I, and I know there's people who have nitpicked it that were like, well, they had this thing and it didn't come out until this time. So it's, uh, you know, they had some stuff that wasn't specifically period piece to the exact year of the fucking television. Yeah, I mean, it was just general 80s, because, like, yeah. you know, I was first thinking, like, oh, maybe it's, like, 82, and then they had, like, posters for The Thing, and they, I think, like, I think even, like, Die Hard, and Die Hard's, like, 88. So, you know, it was, like you said, it wasn't, it didn't have to be exact. Yeah. I then, mean, there were a, a lot, I mean, there were obviously a lot of 80s elements. Not, not everything, not every fucking showrunner needs to be Matthew Weiner, where he tries to make it as specific as possible about yes. what fucking month of the year it is. Yes. Uh, the And they got it right with, with the title, Stranger Things, because the actual plot, once it is all unraveled, uh, which, by the way, I'm super pleased that they unravel the majority of the plot before the season ends. Like, you know what's going on with, like, two episodes left, so they give you two episodes to kind of... Uh, come to a conclusion instead of getting like a twist or finding out the thing at the very end of the season, they kind of reveal everything that's happening when there's about two episodes left and they give you two episodes to kind of like, well, now that everybody knows what the fuck is going on, how do they stop it? How do they, you know, how does she get her son back? Uh, all of that stuff. Uh, the, I, I was so pleased at the, the sheer number, just like the ET references, that were done in this show where Eleven, uh, the, the little girl is sort of E.T. and her Reese's pieces are oh, egos. Yeah. yeah. His first and day there, like he has the sick day with. Yeah. E. Yeah. And he's, he's stuff. playing with fucking Yoda and telling her all of this is fuck. This is Yoda and, mm, doing like all that shit. And I'm like, this is like E.T. It's so great. Uh, I love the show. I liked Winona Ryder. I thought she did an incredible job of playing. I've, I grew up in the 80s, and I've met many mothers in the 80s, and she reminded me of many of them. Um, you know, not in her spastic, freaky, freaking outness. Uh, you know, I didn't meet too many people who freaked out quite like that. Uh, but, like, just in general, like, before all of this happened, she, 
Uh, she kind of nailed all of that. The kid actors in this show were phenomenal. Yeah, it was so good. They felt like kids who were having fun. And that's why, like, to me, that was the biggest thing that made it feel like the 80s was quality kid actors where there is these crazy circumstances around it. And it's just hijinks that happens with it. Yeah, like, they don't quite gather the gravity of it. Yeah. And even even when shit goes really sideways... Uh, they do freak out a little bit, but they're not like, what the fuck? They're, you know, they're like, kill the, kill the Demogorgon with a, with a <laughs> slingshot because they have nothing else to do. They're like pinned and trapped or whatever at the end of the, at the end of the show. Um, and obviously there's, they, they, uh, they cliff, they, they sort of, they don't really cliffhanger it. They, they, they're more like cliff notes that can be used to lead us into a second season, which they said they're obviously doing. And many, uh, many of the actors, and actresses are returning, so I'm super you know, excited for that. You know who is like who is really good in it in retrospect mm. is the um, the main kid, Michael, right? Yes. And that the the main yes. one. His mom. She was good. Yeah, like as it's going, you're kind of like, oh, generic. It, but that was like, like you were talking about Winona Ryder. Yeah. Like that is that is that is a mom, like. That I can think of when I was a yeah, kid. Yeah, moms aren't my mom, or even like even now, like you're seeing. So like she was, you know, maybe she was, you know, getting into forty, you know, or around forty years old with her with her fifteen year old daughter or whatever. Yeah. And but now, so that woman's sixty, and there's plenty of husbands that are like you know seventy seventy five that I see today with sixty year old wives and that kind of stuff. So it's 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 one of those that soundtrack was incredible her, too. Her role, I yeah, it, I mean, Stranger Things is like it, it's the second best opening sequence I've seen on Netflix. Yeah, it's pretty great. What's your number one? Yeah, oh, it's hands down BoJack Horseman. Like, oh yeah, is, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen, I've seen it. It can't, it actually, the, the opening sequence like does such a good job of capturing everything in the show, similar to Mad. I was Men. gonna say it made me. It, I've seen the opening to it, and it made me feel Mad Men when I watched it. Yeah. It was very interesting to see Mad Men, but with a cartoon horse as the lead. It is, it is the best show. I mean, I loved Stranger Things, but to me, it's 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 like a mini series. You know, yeah, just, yeah, it is. It's not like a complete show. Yeah, and I like. I'm it glad is, they're it, making you know more I mean. of it, but I kind of wish it was. It would to me, it just feel more special if it just this was it. They're not making it yeah. anymore. Well, I mean, I know? too am terrified. Uh, I mean, if they if it's like Faulty Towers and they do like three seasons and then they're perfect and you know that's the standard then that's fine i just i really don't want it to carry out because then it's just it's not going to feel as special kind of like house of cards like it just the longer it's going it's just it's destroying the mystique of it well i mean we'll see they've got and they and david harbour i mean that guy is like generic cop guy in almost everything and the fact that he actually had like material to work with he's a really good actor Mm -hmm. Like holy cow, this guy's gonna have like a Kyle Chandler resurgence. <laughs> um, all right, let's uh, let's let's speed along onto uh, Suicide Squad real quick. Uh, what were your what were your thoughts? It sounded like you had a lot of issues with it, but you didn't hate it. Like you didn't feel it was awful or something. But it, you also have many issues. Oh, it's not good. Yeah, it is. It's not good. Okay, I mean, there you can. I mean, uh, look, I'm the one. You don't, you don't and, hate it, but it is not good. That... No, it, it kind of, it's like, it reminds me of, 
and I encourage people to watch it and act like if you're like us, you try to be somewhat of a you know a connoisseur of of, of visual arts and that kind of stuff. Um, I really encourage you to watch the Josh Trank Fantastic Four movie because mm-hmm. that's what this movie felt like. It's not good and it it's it's bad. I mean, it's a bad movie. But it's one of those where... Did you have fun during it? I heard a lot of people that are like, it's not a good movie, but I, I had fun. Like, I, it was entertaining. Yeah, I mean, like, for me, it was nice to see Will Smith be Will Smith. Mm-hmm. Like, it was... It, it felt like classic Will Smith. Yeah. And I thought he worked a lot of times. I, even though Viola Davis's only job was exposition, yeah. uh, she was... I mean, she was Amanda Waller. I mean, she does some boss bitch things in that mm-hmm. movie. Uh, I mean, Margot Robbie was, you know, she was fine. Yeah. Um, I, uh, people are like, oh, she wasn't that funny. I'm like, well, then you, A, never read or watched that. She's not funny. She's kind of annoying. Yeah. And that's like the only thing that keeps you from, besides that she's a bad person, yeah. but, you know, keeps you from having complete sympathy with her in her circumstances. Mm-hmm. But it's like, you know, I'm sure other people have talked about it and they've seen, and I know Jared Leto has said, and it's true. Like, I mean, he's maybe in the movie like 15 minutes, maybe. Yeah. And he, all of his scenes felt like they were cut really short. And all of them are like, he's about to you know, just, I mean, completely just fuck up Harley Quinn as a person. And it just like kind of cuts it short yeah. every single time. Uh, but, I mean, I thought Jared Leto was terrible. Ouch. Uh, um, that, that, that's not so, far from what I've heard, though. I've, I've, heard, I've, heard, no, he's, I've heard everything from, eh, he's fine to absolutely trash. So. Yeah, and it's one of those things that you know I kind of think about it, and I think about like Dark Knight. Like, by the way, he's we... claiming that they shot an entire movie's worth of Joker footage. Well, you watch the trailers, and I mean, a lot of it's not in the movie. That's what. I... Uh, I... Yeah, I heard, and he, that's gets the a, thing I heard is... he gets about fifteen minutes, maybe all together. Yeah, tops, tops, maybe. I mean, it's probably like ten. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing is. You know, at least like in the Dark Knight, like let's say Heath Ledger had ten minutes of screen time. Yeah. You know, his his presence would not have nearly been as effective with that short amount of time. Like in the Suicide Squad, he only should have been in one scene. I won't say when, but he only should have been in one scene, and and that would have been just fine. We could have spent a whole movie of Batman solo flick, you know, being able to focus on on learning this character. But the one thing I like that they did with Jared Leto. And it was a good balance in the fact that I really, watching it, I, it was, in the moment of watching the movie, I was really bothered by Margot Robbie's outfit. It's just, it's too much. I mean, yeah, she's really attractive. She's really pretty. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it be, she becomes distractingly pretty in a lot of instances yeah. because of her outfit. And it, it just, it's a little off-putting, like, and the sad thing is, is that to me, it's kind of like the one thing that's kind of holding back this movie in, in a cultural sense. Like, it's a really diverse cast. Yeah. I mean, it's African-American woman is in charge with, I mean, yeah, there's a white guy soldier that's the squad leader. But the outspoken leader among the criminal or among the group, really, their true leader is an African-American man. Yeah. Uh, they have a white woman. They have a Japanese woman. They have a, another, you know, I mean, essentially Killer Croc's a black guy. They have... Uh, Hispanic, they have. I mean, they have a Native American. He's not in it much. Yeah, uh, but, you know, it's just they have like, a British it, person. It, does yeah, Cara, does, oh, Cara, does have... Cara Delevingne use her British accent, or is she... no? They, I mean, they 
dub her voice a lot because it's oh I am this and you can't you know that kind of yeah. thing. Uh, I mean, I'm they have really an Austra- succubus. Yeah, and they have you know they have an Australian. So like, I thought I thought everybody did fine. It just felt like a lot of things were just cut together, and they tried to make it really fast paced. Well, fun. I mean, it doesn't it doesn't need to be that. Like that's the thing is I don't understand Warner Brothers being so self conscious. I mean, I, I get it. Like, being so self-conscious about the superhero movies where everyone's like, oh, it, it's not it's not Marvel. Like, you know what? You made a shit ton of money by making the Dark Knight movies not Marvel movies. Yeah. Like, you can do a darker tone and make it yeah. work. You just, you have, when no, you hire these directors, writers you, have, you have to, like, even if David Ayers was going to make a bad movie, like, you are hiring him for a reason. The same thing as Josh Trank. If you are hiring him with the pitch of, I'm going to make a freak show, David Cronenberg, the Fly-esque, Fantastic Four movie, and you let him make the movie, and then as some focus group sees it and says, oh, it's not funny like the other Marvel movies, then just smack him in the face and kick him out. Because at the very least, at least you're taking chances. I mean, that's I mean, that's what... Like, how... like. I want to know what a focus group thought when they first saw Mad Max Fury Road. Right. I mean, I'm sure there's like 60, 30-year-old people that are like, I don't get this movie. And it's probably the greatest achievement in cinema in the past, I mean, at least in this century. I mean, that movie has way more going on in it than any other Oscar contender. Mm-hmm. I mean, it deals more with uh, sexism, racism, a- a- any type of prejudice better than Crash. Yeah. Uh, oh, way better it doesn't than just Crash. Ham- because it doesn't just ham-fist those messages yes. to, to you. It's underlying in a narrative that is driven by action. Yep. Uh, and that's like, really yeah, I don't understand. Like, yeah, like Warner Brothers lets that get passed, and then they come with their superhero stuff, and they're so worried. Like, I mean, even, like, their animated stuff. Like, it's all really good. I, they let them kind of do their own thing, because I guess they have a smaller budget, so they have smaller stakes. Yeah, I think this, it's just, I think the studio missed the message. They, yeah, no half measures. There were a lot of there were a lot of concerns about Batman v Superman, and it feels like the only concern they listened to was the one that was about tone and more lightheartedness. And it's not there's not a single smile, there's not a single joke, and that was yes, that was definitely part of a lot of people's critiques of that movie. But it was but those are surface. That was critiques. low on the list. Most of the people were talking about like. I don't understand why the fuck Batman and Superman stopped fighting. What the fuck was Lex Luthor's plan? This all felt so ham-fisted together and shoved together, and a lot of it was complex and didn't make any sense. And that's what people were really complaining about. It just it was poorly edited. A lot of the story was weird and muddled, and people were having yeah, a Yeah, apparently time. they had, like, in Suicide Squad, they had, like, six different teams of editors working on different parts of the Here's movie. Here's what's crazy. Uh, and and let's and let's talk about this because uh, this is part of the problem that Suicide Squad felt like that Fantastic Four movie to you is because it is they did a bunch of reshoots with stuff yeah that, they did the exact same they thing. added in funnier stuff and that's why people are like the tone is constantly fluctuating in the Suicide Squad movie and it feels weird and disjointed and that's because they did that and people loved the trailers for this movie a lot of people pre- I, and I thought the trailers were good but I didn't I don't know I didn't fly off the handle crazy for them because. I guess I had that distrust of the DC stuff. Uh, so I wasn't flying off the trailers, but I could recognize that they were good trailers. Most everybody else was flipping out, going nuts about them, talking about how great they were and they're masterful and they're pieces of art all in, all in of their own. And the studio heard that 
and brought in the editors who did the trailer and the, they helped cut together the movie that you watched, Glenn. So, yep. and I'm sure some of it feels like a bit of a movie trailer. I've heard people say that as well, that there's bits that yeah, feel like, like the, a trailer. Like the best part of the movie is when they all sit down at a bar after they find out they've pretty much been lied to this whole yeah. time. And they're just, they're, they're able to conversate with each mm-hmm. other. And it's, you know, it's a good moment until Joel Kinnaman comes in and does the fucking, I mean, he's terrible. Yeah. Like, knowing that Jake Gyllenhaal originally was going to be in this movie, mm-hmm. it's say what you will, like, he's a good actor. Yeah. I mean, he is, he's a good, solid actor. And it's just really sad knowing that he could have been in it. And I don't, like, I mean, I don't completely blame Joel Kinnaman. It, it felt like, you know, when you're talking about the tone, it felt like he did one thing... And then they made all the reshoots, and he's the one who had to change the way he was. Like, he's the one who had to be more funny versus, like, the strict military guy. Mm -hmm. And it just, like, his performance is so uneven. The, um, so this movie is the thing that really pushed me over the edge as far as having great, great deal of sympathy for film critics. Because the amount of shit that got, people got shit poured on them for Batman v Superman. But then a lot of people were, I mean, and obviously a lot of people have bias because they're perhaps DC fans and like super hardcore DC fans. So they're predisposed to liking this uh, stuff. And they saw how how fun and how great the Suicide Squad trailers were. And they're like, well, there's no way they're going to fucking hate this movie. It looks like it's going to be awesome. But then all of the mishmash stuff happened with the reshoots and the cramming shit together and the many different editors and it feeling like two different movies. And then reviews came out, and reviewers hated it, I think maybe worse than Batman v Superman, although I've heard more people say that this was better than Batman v Superman, at least from an entertainment yeah, perspective. Yeah, it, it, is, it is better pop. But I've heard, I've heard most of the critics seem to think that it is a, a worse made movie than Batman v yes. Superman, and people went ape shit over this. The 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 most ludicrous of which was the change.org petition that 16,000 people, last time I looked, signed to close Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, the Warner Brothers? For, based uh, on, yeah, it, based on the bias that Rotten Tomatoes has, which, of course, is a complete misunderstanding of how RT works because they just aggregate reviews. They don't write the reviews themselves. Yeah, I mean, you can even read, like, some positive reviews come across as negative and vice versa. Sure, sure, sure. Like, the Ghostbusters, because people are like, well, they fucking love the Ghostbusters movies. And I'm like, if you read the tr- the reviews for the Ghostbusters movies, some of them were glowingly positive, but most of them were very much positive, but in, like, in the middle, leaning positive. Yeah, like a three out of yeah, five. Yeah, yeah, they weren't going apeshit. That's, so they yeah. barely get the, you know. Yeah, so a, a super positive review nece- basically means, at best... That it would be a good rental movie. It could mean that all the way up to amazing movie that you have to watch right now. But there's like a lot of leeway in there. They're just aggregating reviews to see positive or negative. They're not going into the minutia of how how uh, great or bad it is. Uh, yeah, unless the movie's got like a 97. Yeah, well, I mean, even then, it could be... Uh, well, I mean, chances are if it's that high, then the reviews are usually... Yeah, if it's like got 300 reviews and it's at like a 97... It's probably at least a, a good yeah, movie. Yeah, it's, it, it's probably very glowing. But, uh, you know, it's like Warner Brothers owns a minority stake in Rotten Tomatoes. Why would they be paying Rotten... Why would why would Marvel... Yeah, they're not Sony. <laughs> I mean, they're not Sony where they, they buy uh, yeah. and pay off some critics and delete 
any comment that is a general criticism of a movie and yes. only leave the nasty misogynistic yeah, ones. To me, to me, or really bad product placement in any Adam Sandler or Spider-Man. To movie. me, the real issue here is yes, most of the Marvel movies get really good reviews, but that's because Marvel has their shit together. They have a Kevin Feige who is in charge with the flag out in front, leading the charge. And, and they're backed by Disney. At, well, I mean, and they're backed by Disney, which helps, obviously, the super deep pockets. Well, but... I just mean, like, well, not so much that, but Disney, like, you criticize them as, as much as you want. They know how, they know broad appeal. Yes. I mean, they are the movie studio version of CBS. Yeah, they know how to get we it We all up. can make fun of NCIS, but damn it, they know how to reach a wide demographic. Yeah. I mean, well, and, and it helps, like I said, Marvel knows what they're doing They've got people in, from Marvel involved in it. They took risks. They, I mean, and they, and they took hiring risks. Robert Downey Jr. was a risk, and their risks have paid off. Yeah. Whereas Warner Brothers just kind of played it safe. I think they were. I really think they were desperate going into like this next phase of they really wanted Christopher Nolan to stay on, and, and rightfully so. Uh, and I, but he's like, I'm done. And, they were like, Well, we need to carry that right. over, and they just they're not him, like. You have to be a very, you know, you have to be a very similar director and mindset to kind of get away with the things Nolan gets away with. Agreed. Uh, well, I mean, like you said, uh, Marvel they they took they took some risks, but they also had a vision of where they wanted everything to go. And through these first three movies, the DC EU had a de facto leader in Zack Snyder who didn't really have that vision. They now have Jeff Johns basically as the masthead for the DC EU. But his reign does not start at Suicide Squad. He didn't come on until after that movie was already in the can and being put together and pieced together and edited. Uh, his reign basically starts with Wonder Woman going forward. So maybe it's kind of rebirth in that regard. Maybe we'll see something different. Rebirth, huh? Uh, that's a that's a good Jeff Johns comic. <laughs> <you>. <laughs> the um, uh, that was actually an unintended pun, but I'll take it. I'll get, it'll, it'll give me geek cred, so I will pretend that that pun was on purpose. And that I knew that I was walking into that. Uh, so, yeah, that... Maybe going forward, we're going to be A-OK. -okay, but, yeah. Uh, and, by the way, I think it's totally OK to compare this to Guardians of the Galaxy. Because it feels like they were going for the same exact vibe of bad guys who do end up doing good things and become unintentional heroes or whatever. Well, yeah. I mean, that's why you hired David Ayer as, you know, someone kind of similar to a... A James Gunn type director, except, but you you don't let David Ayers make that except, movie. Except Guardians of the Galaxy was running off of you know, hey, everybody kind of knows that Chris Pratt guy from the the Parks and Rec. Yeah, show. that's what I'm saying. They've taken and risks they, and they've really paid characters off characters nobody had ever heard of before. And Suicide Squad had Harley Quinn, Joker, and Batman, and and Will Smith as a character that perhaps not a lot of people know. Uh, I mean, he's not really Deadshot. He's Will Smith, and yeah, it's, he's... to me, it works. It, I am okay with it's Will Smith being Will Smith is just fine. Just like The Rock being The Rock is, I it's okay. So what would you uh, if they? I was, I was, what was I say, give it a yeah, score. I was say, what would you What would you give it? Um, or, I guess I I guess I gave like BVS. I I gave it like maybe like a three three and a half. Uh. I would say Suicide Squad, like, two and a half. Yeah. Um, because, I I, I mean, you, you know, I, I don't like to... I'm not a guy who just thinks movies are always... that to be 
essentially blockbuster popcorn entertaining flicks like they can be more than that and it's just suicide squad it it was so like like you were trying to start up your car and it just kept dying right when you were about to you know get it to turn on it just every time it kind of felt like oh yeah okay we're going somewhere and then it's just like (laughs) and it just every single time i wish i wish i had time to talk i saw star trek beyond uh several weeks ago i wish i had time to talk about it right now but i don't so uh i will say that i liked it uh quite a bit although i'm still uh the film is still churning in my head as to where i would place it amongst the other jj verse movies i heard sabotage actually kind of works in the movie it kind of works they also have another popular culture song in the film as well uh god what's it called fight the power i heard it's fight like, the power it's a good it feels more like the original series than the other there two. There is definitely a lot more and that of the, that. And that, the ref, and that the references are deep. They're not, you know, surface-level references where it's distracting. Yeah, you would have had to have watched the vast majority of Scott Bakula's Enterprise show to get a lot of the references in this one. <laughs> I will say, I will say, there was... That's awesome. Yeah. Like, of all the ones that do callbacks, too, that's amazing. Yeah, they do, they do like, three or four really great callbacks uh, to that show. Like, deep-cut references. Uh, I will say this. Uh, there is... Um, I mean, they, they do, like, a sweet tribute to Anton Yelchin at the end of the film, uh, where it says, for Anton, after the credits roll, and things like that. Uh, but in film, they actually do a couple of really great moving tributes to Leonard Nimoy. Uh, one of which did not particularly catch me off guard. I guess it caught me off guard a little bit, uh, as they're on a space station... Uh, and it's kind of like, uh, you know, there's a tons of aliens on the space station. Uh, so there's all there's various mixes of species. And uh, a couple of Vulcans approach Spock and present him with a pad. Uh, they're, you know, telling him telling him something. And then we see over his shoulder and it's just he's holding the pad and it's letting him know that Spock Prime had passed away. And they do this beautiful shot of. Zachary Quinto, it's like a very wide shot of him standing in front of a giant fucking window peering out into black space, and it's just a shot of him, like, staring out into space, which I thought was beautiful and touching, but what really shocked me at the end was after the whole fiasco is over and they've they've saved the day once again, uh, Spock gets a, a case with the belongings of Spock Prime, uh, I guess because this Spock is as close as he comes to next of kin, I suppose. Uh, and in the in the box is a uh, a case that he slides open, and it is a holographic image of the of Leonard Nimoy and all of the original crew that I think was taken during Star Trek V. So there's William Shatner and Nichelle Nichol, like all the original crew, and it was a production photo that was taken to promote the film. But it's a really gorgeous picture, and it really caught me off guard when they did that. Like, blew me away. I was like, holy, I, I didn't think in a million years they would they would do something like that. The tears come, the tears start I was up. really fucking close. Like, because it, 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 <laughs> it just caught me off guard. Like, it was really highly unexpected. And after I got, after I, like, recovered from the shock of just seeing it, because it was weird to just see it, then it hit me how, like, sweet and enduring it is, and then I remember that it's, because they didn't mention in any of the marketing for this movie that this is the 50th year anniversary of Star Trek. And then it was like, holy shit. Uh, and I was, yeah, I was, as a big Star Trek nerd, completely overcome 
with emotion. Not going to lie. And the movie is really good. It's a good movie. I'm not sure where it sits compared to the other two or in the rank of Star Trek movies in general. Uh, They are doing another one. And they've already announced that Chris Hemsworth is going to be in the movie reprising the role of George Kirk, which I'm thinking has to mean some sort of time travel aspect is going to be involved. And this movie... Oh, so they're doing Generations. Uh, maybe, I don't know. Hopefully they don't do Generations, but uh, <laughs> they... Because uh, this movie did focus on his dad. I, was, I said I didn't want to... We don't have time to talk about it. And here I am talking about it for five minutes. Um... They they did spend a lot of time. Uh, m- most of Kirk's through line in this movie was, uh, you know, his dad was a real you know Starfleet officer and a hero, and it's like you know he joined because he wanted to to explore and to help people, and Kirk Kirk joined on a dare essentially from from uh, Admiral Pike to join Starfleet, and he it's it's on his birthday, and he's one year older than his dad ever got to be. Uh, you know, that sort of thing. And he's thinking about leaving Starfleet and he's not sure if he's really cut out for it. And, uh, so that's like a big through line throughout the movie. Uh, and yeah, it's, it's really good. It's, it's very solid. And I would recommend if you like the other movies to check this one out. It's different though. As you noted, it definitely has more of a traditional Star Trek feeling. The story is way more Star Trek-y. Uh, a lot of the scenes are way more stuff. It's there's plenty of action and stuff that you've come to know from the JJ movies. Uh, there's tons of that. No burnouts. So, no, but, no. Uh, uh, the motorcycle thing wasn't even very egregious. I thought it was going to be really ridiculous, but uh, it wasn't. They they found a way to make it work, uh, by and large, to the point where I was Justin Lin. Justin Lin made it happen. He's a solid director. It's uh, not bad. Let's talk about some bad news. If you're a fan of the the new Ghostbusters movie, I know Aurora. I know Aurora <laughs> is. I know she saw it and she really liked it. Uh, I have still. I still haven't seen it. I plan to see it because just like with Suicide Squad, I want to have. I want to be able to have an informed opinion on it, so this way, the next time a conversation about it crops up, I can actually talk about it somewhat intelligently instead of talking about what other people have talked about. Um, but this news is not good, according to the Hollywood Reporter. It is heading for a seventy million dollar plus loss, and a sequel is unlikely. Uh, apparently, they may be focusing on animated features, or not maybe not features, but animated spinoffs. Uh, instead, they uh, they have Sony has not officially said that they're going to banish the sequel as of yet, but it's not looking good. So yeah, I mean that's not entirely unexpected. Um, the I mean the reviews weren't trashing the movie; some of them were, uh, but the vast majority of reviews were like, "eh, it's a movie that's not going to kill you if you watch it. It'll be fine. You may laugh a few times." Uh, it is a perfectly acceptable film, uh, but it is not great. Uh, it's not iconic. Um, and this is not my opinion. This is just the vast majority of reviews uh, that have that have come out. And uh, I think there was just too much negativity surrounding the film, and it kept people away mostly. It did good coming out of the coming out of the uh, coming out of the shoot, and people are saying the same thing about Suicide Squad as well. But that's the world of advanced ticket sales and people going out and giving it a shot in the first weekend. And typically the second weekend is where you can see whether or not a film is going to be good or, or do well or not, because that shows whether or not it has the staying power. And I think as we've discussed well, before, 
if you drop by like 50% on the second week, that's okay. But usually anything worse than a 50% drop, the higher up you go from that is uh, worse and worse. And I think like Ghostbusters dropped like 60 or 65%, uh, maybe more from the first weekend. Didn't Star Trek come out the next weekend? It did, yep. Yeah, and that's, I mean, even Star Trek, not not that it's a flop, but man, it did, did not make as much money as I thought it would at this no, point. No, uh, well, and and here and Star Trek did not. Uh, and Because it was like the first weekend, like five movies made over $20 million, the w- opening weekend for, for Star Trek. And then you had Bourne, so like, you kind of, I mean, it, I did, like, how do I say this? I would say like, the the core demographic of a Ghostbusters um, would definitely get pulled away faster for something like Star Trek, mm-hmm. and maybe even a Born. I mean, I feel like, I mean, Born is, I mean, it, it's a pure action flick, but in a lot of ways, it, you know, it's kind of in that genre. Uh, so I mean, whereas like this next weekend, I mean, what the big movie Sausage Party, like Pete's Dragon. I don't know how Pete's Dragon is coming out. Oh, okay, Pete's Dragon. Well, I, I don't see that really pulling too much away from like Suicide Squad, though. Like, I mean, it'll make a lot of money, obviously, and apparently it's really good. Um, but I don't, I don't know how much of that that audience. I mean, obviously, it's going to overlap, but I don't know how much of that's going to like pull people from being able to see that. Like, you're not going to take your kids to see Suicide Squad. Overtaken in the sea, Peach Dragon. Well, I mean, or vice versa. Yeah, this what hurt Star Trek Beyond, I think, is a couple of things. You've got uh, a summer full of huge movies, and all of them are sequels. And they did not promote 50th anniversary, which I think promoting that sort of thing tends to help. Uh, yeah, like they it, did with Skyfall. Because it feels like because <laughs> it feels like a big deal. Um, yeah, really, it helped with Skyfall quite a bit because people are like, "Oh fuck!" Damn. Oh, and Skyfall was also absolutely yeah. amazing. Star Trek Beyond was <laughs> so. Star Trek Beyond was very good, but it was not as good as Skyfall. Uh, yeah, so Star Trek Beyond, I'll talk about the box office for that in a minute, but it actually is doing better than Ghostbusters. Uh, the and the issue I think is uh, the projected. Uh, the projected outlook for Ghostbusters because Ghostbusters is made on a smaller production budget uh, and has made less money than Star Trek Beyond, which was made on a bigger budget. Yet there's going to be another Star Trek sequel. Uh, and, well, Star Trek has more international money. Yeah, too. and perhaps well, not with this movie if this is anything to go by. Uh, and I'll mention it. Uh, I'll mention that in a second. But I think with the Ghostbusters thing, they were looking at a bigger franchise of like toys and stuff like that. Um, and I get, I think their projections were much higher than what they have ended up with, whereas Paramount uh, basically was in the ballpark of what they were expecting for an opening weekend for the for the Beyond movie, and uh, and obviously this is the third Star Trek movie of this particular uh, version of, of Star Trek, so I think they were expecting a lower turnout, and obviously there was and without having JJ at the helm, too. yeah, you don't you don't have you don't have that as well, so. Uh, let's, uh, let's do the, let's do the box office, shall we? And then, uh, we'll scoot on out of here, uh, for the week. 
Let me see here. Uh, okay, number five is, in fact, the Star Trek Beyond movie that we were talking about. It's still holding on, although it fell all the way from number two to number five. So it's plummeting with all of these other movies coming out, which is not a terrible surprise. It, Believe it or not, Glenn, it has yet to crack 200 million worldwide. So it is, it yeah. is not soaring and scoring. Uh, I think... Uh, Wait, 200 worldwide? Yeah, worldwide foreign right now. Its foreign box office is only 66 million. Has it not released in a lot of places? I'm thinking maybe it has not released in China yet uh, and a couple of other places. Um, but by and large, I think it's it's not doing particularly well. But they're, they're happy. Paramount seems happy with it. Uh, it seems to be fitting with their expectations mostly. Although... Oh, they'll make all their money with Transformers. Perhaps. Uh, number four is The Secret Life of Pets, which did... Oh, by the way, Beyond did 10, 10 million. Uh, Secret Life of Pets did 11, uh, 11 and a half million. Number three was Bad Moms, which did 14 million. Uh, Jason Bourne fell from the number one spot to number two with uh, 22 million. And uh, as of this date, it is almost at 200 million uh, right now worldwide. And uh, number one is the Suicide Squad, which opened to 133 million, which is a big opening uh, by any stretch of the imagination. And uh, the train has slowed down slightly, as it is just under 300 million as of right this second. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see uh, by the time the next. I think it'll. Come. I think it'll make it to about five. Yeah, I think it can do yeah. it. Uh, so that's that. Because the U.S. was actually one of its first releases, yes. so which is kind of odd. But uh, so that's that. Let's talk about the two big opening movies this weekend. Uh, I'm seeing one of this, them. This is uh, August 12th is when these uh, these premiere. You've seen one of these two movies? No, I'm going to oh, see okay. one of them. Well, one of them is Sausage Party. Is that the one you're going to see? <laughs> yes, it is. I am morbidly curious about this movie. Yeah, it looks. All of the all of the trailer apparently footage, it's really funny. All of the, it's apparently really all good. of the trailer footage I've seen has me just completely. I have no <laughs> idea what to think. It looks incredible. Uh, starring Seth Rogen, Kristen Wiig, Jonah Hill, Bill Hader, Michael Sarah, James Franco, uh, the a, a lot of the people you've come to know and love. An animated film about anthropomorphic food. Uh, the humans don't realize they're anthropomorphic. And to the food, they come home from the grocery store and realize that they're, from their perspective, brutally slaughtered and murdered by humans, uh, and the humans don't realize it. And I believe Frank is a sausage played by Seth Rogen, who is on a quest back to the grocery store to warn everyone that the humans are exist solely to murder them and eat them. Uh, 26 reviews so far on the tomato meter, it is 88%. So that's off to a good start. Uh, the consensus says that it is a definitely offensive film, but backs it up with enthusiastic profanity and impressively high gag-to-laugh ratio and surprisingly thought-provoking storyline. So uh, there is that. And the other big release is Pete's Dragon, which is a Disney movie based off of a book I'm pretty sure I had on my bookshelf when I was a kid. Uh, this one is starring Bryce Dallas Howard, Robert Redford, Carl Urban and uh, uh, a West bunch of family. kids. Yeah, Oaks uh, Oaks Fegley uh, is the is Pete, who has the dragon. 
53 reviews so far, and the Tomita meter has it at 87%. Uh, Pete's Dragon continues Disney's current live-action winning streak with an update that gives the original visual overhaul without overwhelming... Uh, just, wait for Disney to, just wait for Disney to lay down the dick next year. <laughs> uh, it's going to be so good. Uh, Rogue One trailer, Glenn, is coming out tomorrow, I believe. Yeah. Uh, you are not excited. I'm, ex- I'm really fucking excited. No, 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 I am excited. Uh, presumably, it might be some of the footage they showed at Comic-Con, which involved a teeny tiny glimpse of Darth Vader, uh, which people are very excited. I will get excited for this when I watch them. I guess that's who Mads Mikkelsen is. I, uh, do you think he's playing Darth Vader? I don't think he's playing Darth Vader. No, I, no I'm just kidding. Uh, it's... I, I would not have a problem with it, but I don't think that's who he's playing. Um, actually, I think he's playing uh, um, Jin, the the lead character. I think it's her father, and I think oh, okay, and I cool. believe he is the Robert Oppenheimer of Star Wars. He's the guy who like conceived the Death Star and is, is now like, uh, fuck, what have I done? That sort of. I think he's. Oh, I okay. think he might be that guy. Um, I'm. I want to be excited that Darth Vader is in this movie. Well, then they don't need to steal the plans. Then, if he built it and feels bad about perhaps. it, perhaps maybe he helps. Uh, with a uh, spoiler alert, perhaps. Uh, <laughs> I want to be excited about Darth Vader in this movie, but as much as people want to, you can't separate Darth Vader from Luke. I am your father, and Darth Vader from Where's Padme. You can't separate those two. Those are the, That's the same guy. Same motherfucker, everybody. And the last thing Darth Vader said that I've heard recently was no. And he said it really loud, and he said it for a long time, and he did it with his hands outreached and his head pointed to the sky, and that fucking sucked, and that's the last thing I saw from Darth Vader. That's the thing he's done most recently for me, and uh, I can't say I'm particularly excited to see him in this movie. I know they're not going to do stupid George Lucas shit, but I'm I'm just maintaining cautious optimism until uh, until I see it. Maybe they're maybe they'll find a way to explain away the the prequel trilogy films. Uh, I doubt it, but maybe. Well, they could just have Jar Jar Binks go in a ship, and he's supposed to save this one planet from complete annihilation and fails, and he goes through a you know red matter and does a time jump, and we get a whole new timeline. Perhaps they'll just J.J. Abrams it with Star Trek. Just reboot the universe. Uh, personally, I'm still waiting for the Jar Jar Binks reveal that he is Ray's father somehow. Uh, that's what I'm looking for. I'm waiting for the scene where, uh, even though we've seen Kylo Ren with his mask off before, he takes it off and it's inexplicably Jar Jar Binks this time. Oh, it makes a lot of and, sense. I mean, they are the worst things in their respective Star Wars movies. Uh, and and then he says, uh, no, Ray, I say you and father. And then she kills herself. And that's the end of episode eight. Uh, That's how I've written it, Glenn. And we'll see if that's how it turns out. Uh, I'm not putting any money down on that. But, uh, you know, I I feel like it could go that direction. Let's get on out of here. Uh, I should note before we go, there's obviously nothing else to plug at the moment. uh, Because there's nothing on premium. But there will be. Uh, Hey, get caught up on on shows. Go get caught up on the premium shows. Because, hey... TV season is right around the corner, Glenn, and those shows are on their way back, and we will be talking about them on the regular once again. They are. Uh, Gotham, not among them. No, no, it is not. So that is a plus. But all the other shows will be back, and we'll be talking about them. If you would like to contact us and reach out in any form or fashion, there is yet 
another new email address. <laughs> this one's much simpler, and I don't have to pay for the domain name behind it. Uh, if you need to contact us, just reach out to us via email, cinemageekly at gmail.com. Problem solved, Glenn. And now I don't have to pay for another domain name. I consider that a win. Uh, we will be back for reals this time, because uh, I believe I said it at the end of the last episode, and then we were gone for a month and a half. This time I mean it. We'll be back with more for Glenn Beauvais. I'm Anthony Lewis. And we will, in fact, be back next week with more Cinema Geekly Podcasts.